as God intended. Let's go. Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine, but love always is. With a 24 7, 365 talk radio signal, it's heard worldwide. America Out Loud Talk Radio is now heard in your car, home, office, on your smartphones, tablets, any device. The entire platform has been built from the ground up with a great thought and enthusiasm and a vision that stretches far into the future. Welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Jana Schmidt, naturopath and herbalist. I have a wonderful show for you today, but first I want to encourage you that no matter what your situation, a strong mind and body are powerful resources. I'm here to help equip and encourage you with the health tools that create and maintain strong minds and strong bodies to keep you grounded and flourishing in this hectic, crazy world. Just seems to get crazier and crazier. So each week I enjoy sharing health information with you, something that you can utilize to build strong and healthy lifestyles and tips that are also really practical and easy to implement. So let's get right to it. It's time to empower you with some new health information. It's not just going to be a tip today. It's going to be a full-on interview um, because, after all, knowledge is power. So today, I welcome our special guest, Heather Smith, registered dietitian for 25 years, certified specialist in renal nutrition, a certified leap therapist. We're going to learn more about that and shape reclaimed certified practitioner. I can't wait to hear about that too. She started a private practice in 2021 to work with people who have chronic kidney disease because of her passion to help people stay off dialysis. That's amazing. She had been working in a dialysis clinic for several years and knew that most of her patients had never been taught what to do to prevent the need for dialysis before they developed end-stage kidney disease. So she suggests a combination of personalized services as well as a course that she developed to teach people the different opportunities for preserving kidney function and to support them as they make these changes to their diet and their lifestyle. Heather has been married for 30 years and has four amazing young adult and teenage children. Welcome so much, Heather. We are happy to have you here and learn about what you do. Thank you, Dr. Jana. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come on and raise awareness about chronic kidney disease. It's something that um, a lot of people have very little knowledge about, have no idea what the risk factors are, and it's just not on their radar. So I'm hoping to change that today. I hope so too. I've learned, I've learned a lot over the years and I don't feel like I know near enough um, about this. So I would love to start with um, what are some of the risk factors that you mentioned uh, for kidney disease? Okay. Well, many of the people who develop um, kidney disease have diabetes about close to 50% of people who develop end-stage renal disease have diabetes. But um, there are many other risk factors as well. Uncontrolled high blood pressure, um, having cardiovascular disease, being a smoker, having obesity, uh, being Black, Native American, or Asian American, having a family history of kidney disease, 
having abnormal kidney structure, being older in age, um, and frequently using medications that can damage kidneys. Wow. Lots so, of people are at risk for, for kidney failure. In fact, um, one in seven people in America has chronic kidney disease. And that's huge. Has that number risen or has it kind of always been that that high? I mean, that seems like a, a high statistic. The incidence is increasing. It's certainly. increasing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know the incidence for diabetes is increasing. Like, yes. Triple fold. It's and, and it's just getting worse and worse. So I and the if standard that, American diet is just such a huge contributing factor to that, unfortunately. Right. So as that goes up, then kidney issues will go alongside of that. Is that correct? Exactly. Right. Yes. So how would people know if their kidneys are either properly functioning or poorly functioning without going and having, you know, having a doctor or someone uh, test them? Well, there isn't really any way to know in the early stages unless you do have lab work done. Um, there's a standard um, lab that people generally have run called a comprehensive metabolic panel. And it, any kind of lab work that you have, that's going to be in there. And uh, one of the the uh, lab values would be for creatinine. And uh, often uh the GFR, the glomerular filtration rate will also be calculated. It's um, creatinine is used to calculate that. Um, And if you see a trend downward in that GFR or a trend upward in the creatinine, that can be an indication that uh, your kidneys are not functioning as well as they should be. Normal kidney function um, is a GFR greater than 90 um, less than 60 is concerning in, in all cases. And then there is another lab value called, it's a uh, urine test called a, the urinary um, albumin creatinine ratio. And um, you can look at the creatinine level and the urinary creatinine albumin, albumin ratio to determine even earlier stages of kidney disease, stages one and two. So Ideally, people will find out that their kidneys are not functioning well in stage one or two, especially if they're younger. Um, People who are older, if they have stage one or stage two, not as much of a concern. But if they're younger and they have many years ahead of them, we want to catch it and uh, help them do whatever they can to help preserve their kidney function. And there are so many things that can be done. And so is this a blood test you're talking about or is there actually, is there a urine, did you say there's a urine test as well? The comprehensive metabolic panel is a blood test and um, the urinary albumin, the albumin creatinine ratio is a urine test. Okay. All right. And do you recommend both be done for people who may be concerned? Yeah. Yes. Because I have a funny story. I have a funny story to share with you. So, Okay. (laughs) It's just, you just reminded me of this when you said younger children. So when, um, when my oldest son was three and, um, he was going through, you know, we were going to have a urine test done, you know, he was doing great, but he just wanted this. And so I told him he had to pee in this cup and he didn't understand. And I said, well, they're going to check to see how your kidneys are working. And I talked to him like a grown up all the time, but, mm-hmm. and he looked at me and he said, my kidneys. And I said, yes. And he put his little hands on his knees and he bent up and down. He said, my kidneys are working just <laughs> you can see right here. I thought that was the cutest thing. Like, oh, I laughed about that for years. So now that you know, is a 
adorable out of the mouths of babes, right? Yes. So that was really funny. So yes, but um, back to more serious, I'd love for you to explain the stages. You were talking about different stages of kidney dysfunction and illness um, and what those stages look like and maybe what some symptoms might be in each stage. Yeah. Okay. So, and um, lamellar filtration rate is, um, is abbreviated GFR or EGFR for estimated GFR. 90 or higher with a urinary, urinary albumin creatinine ratio of 30 or higher for three months or more is considered stage one. Um, an EGFR of 60 to 89 with a UACR of 30 or higher is stage two. And then um, for the other stages, you really don't need the UACR to stage the kidney disease, but it is really useful for determining prognosis. Okay. Um, but a GFR of 45 to 59 is stage 3A, 30 to 44 is stage 3B, 15 to 29 is stage 4, and less than 15 is um, stage 5 or end-stage renal disease. Um, and it's uh, it's important for people to, to be aware of their numbers um, and to monitor their trends because we, we can't depend on our doctors to catch to, to, to catch it all the time. Um, they're really busy. They don't have a lot of time always to look at your lab values. And if something doesn't flag, a lot of times they don't see it. And um, depending on the lab that runs the test, I've seen where they don't even flag the GFR at all. Um, just as an example, my mother-in-law came to my house a few months ago and brought her labs with her her, her GFR was 29 and nobody had ever said anything to her about her kidney function declining. Um, and I noticed on her lab, on her lab report, it didn't flag. Hmm. So, why do you think that is? Why, why do you think it didn't flag? I just, I just think that that particular lab doesn't flag that, um, that, that, that lab value or doesn't fl- flag GFR at all. And I think this is really um, speaking to taking your health and healing into your own hands, even though you may be utilizing a doctor for some labs, it's really good, I think, to know what those lab, what those numbers mean. Like you just shared some numbers, like this is normal, this is not normal, this is stage one. And I think it's wonderful to be able to be educated yourself on what those mean. And you can go back and look at your last one, look at the one you have now and see what the pattern or the trend is. I think that's that's very, very empowering. Um, it is be able yeah. to know what those numbers mean. I think that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Very empowering, very important. Mm-hmm. So is, are there symptoms within each stage? There typically are not any symptoms early on. Um, I would say stages one, two, and three, um, you're generally not going to experience anything. Even in stage four, you may not experience any symptoms. Um, when you get into later, later stage kidney disease, stage five, um, you may experience nausea and vomiting, decreased appetite, um, malaise, just not feeling well. You can experience um, edema or swelling in your extremities. Um, you can become short of breath. Those are all symptoms when you're getting close to needing 
renal replacement therapy or, or dialysis. Another thing that can happen is um, your potassium level can elevate, uh, usually not in the earlier stages, um, but more in the later stages if the potassium level goes too high because it's not being filtered um, out of the urine because the kidneys are not functioning properly, then that can affect the heart and it can cause palpitations and um, eventually a heart attack if it goes too high. Right. Okay. So that's very concerning that there aren't really symptoms for the first stages of, of decline in the kidneys. Even yes. more reason if you do get testing to be aware of what, what the testing would, might show. Um, well, it, it's also, um, it's, it's really important that if, that, that I know that many of us have, have lost trust in the medical establishment and we don't want to go to the doctor. Right. Um, but there are certain things that we need to know about our bodies. And, you know, we need to know if we have a chronic illness like diabetes or high blood pressure. And, and those things need to be controlled because if they're not controlled, then kidney failure is one of the potential consequences of that. And it's interesting. I I know you probably spend more than you know, 10 minutes with someone when they come to you. Oh, yes. I know what I, I do as well. And even in that first visit, I'm pouring over things they've had in the past. Things are having the future. Like it's, it's really important to me to know as much as I possibly can looking yes. for those types of things. And I'm sure you do that as well, trying to help people determine what's going on in their lives so they can, they can, and then we teach them. So um, just for our, our listeners, uh, our jobs is more to educate people and what's going on with their bodies and educate them and things they can do to help and heal. And it's part of our goal is to make us obsolete right in their lives. Like, Correct. We, we don't, we don't need them to keep coming back to us. We want them to, we want to empower them with those, not those tools and the knowledge on yes. how to take care. And if something new comes up and they come to us like, great, well, now it's time to learn that. And then they go and they have that knowledge. And I think it's really wonderful for parents because then they can teach their children a lot of these things. And then the children are empowered with their health growing up too. So um, that is and, a very good point. I think what you're trying to say is that we want to work ourselves out of a job. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it just, I feel like it's so much better to empower someone with the knowledge than just tell them this, take this and see what happens if you're better and then come back to me and let me tell you if you're better, right? <laughs> You'll know, you'll actually know. And there's some telltale signs that, you know, to help you along the way that you're actually getting better. So right. that that's really cool. Um, well, if someone does get, and I don't like to use the word diagnosed, but if they're, if they're leaning towards, there's something going on with their kidney and there's a, maybe disease setting in, what, can we start talking about things people can do to preserve their kidney function if they do find out, or even, you know, gosh, these are probably things people can do just for their kidneys health anyway. Um, not, you know, even if they don't have kidney disease. Right. Yeah. I would love to talk about that. Um, the, the number, there's a lot of things. <laughs> um, the number one thing that I want to emphasize first and foremost is um, a whole foods diet, um, vegetables, fruits, whole grains in, you know, smallish amounts. Um, and then avoiding processed foods, avoiding fast food, avoiding soft drinks, 
um, and just trying to embrace a diet of real whole food and organic, if at all possible. Right. That's that's the number one first change that I would recommend for somebody, especially if they were in earlier stage kidney disease, like stage um, two or three. Um, In addition to that, this is a little bit controversial, but um, protein type and amount. Um, There was a study done back in 1994 called the MDRD, which stands for um, the modification of diet and renal disease. That was um, that a lot of doctors hang their hats on when it comes to their recommendations for um, restricting protein intake, but it was really a flawed study. And there's been a lot of evidence since then more anecdotal evidence than um, actual studies, but there have been some studies um, done that show or seem to show that reducing protein intake can help um, prevent um, further decline of kidney disease. That's that's interesting. I have a question for you. You may or may not be able to answer this, but I was told at some point about um, having like when, when someone urinates in, in, goes to the bathroom and the bubbles form Mm -hmm. if they form and they don't pop right away then that's an indication that there might be some difficulty digesting proteins in the day correct and then when it's yeah it can be an indication that there's protein in the urine okay directly related and then we would start like either eating different types of protein or plant-based proteins and that that goes away or they start taking a digestive enzyme that might go away too so there are lots of things we want to talk about but we're actually going to take a quick break and come back and pick up right here on some of these suggestions because i i love the dietary suggestions so we will take a quick break and i just want to let everyone know that you can find out more about looking for healing talk radio and get all the latest podcasts if you go to the menu bar at America Out Loud under our shows or schedule, and you can find us there so you will be in the know. And remember, listen to Looking for Healing Talk Radio 11 a.m. Monday through Friday, Monday with the amazing Dr. Brian Artis as your host, Tuesday with the lovely Nicola Burnett as your host, Wednesday, incredible Dr. Henry Ely is your host, and Thursday, you have me, Dr. Jana Schmidt, as your host. So um, you can tune in. Oh, and Fridays, 11 a.m., we all come together to discuss health topics and take questions from you. You can submit your questions. We're getting so many good questions. We're trying to get to them all. Um, You can submit them on AmericaOutloud.com under shows. We'll be right back. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. 
Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back to Looking for Healing Talk Radio on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Looking for Healing Radio is sponsored by Energetic Health Institute, an amazing school for amazing students just like you. The best way to be free is to be healthy. Learn how at energetichealthinstitute.org. Holistic nutrition, fasting, detoxification, the art of cellular healing, and so much more. You can join the EHI family and make tomorrow amazing energetichealthinstitute.org. So let's continue our discussion um, about kidney health with registered dietitian Heather Smith. We are going to continue discussing what people can do to preserve their kidney function, um, whether they have kidney disease or not. And uh, we were talking about um, how like avoiding fast food and avoiding sodas um, and making sure your protein is balanced. Uh, I had, I did hear, um, I did, I was privy to a study and then participated in a study about the amount of protein our bodies can handle each day. Um, and as a whole, 15 to 20% of animal protein is all our bodies can handle until we start having difficulties. So the rest can be plant-based protein, but that 15 to 20% our pancreas can handle that amount. It makes the enzyme that protease that literally digests animal protein in the body. So if you're eating more than that, animal protein, then you should really consider taking a digestive enzyme to help balance that. So that's just a side note. I wanted to share that. Um, and also the sodas, when you said avoid sodas, um, mm -hmm. my goodness, there's such a red flag with sodas, not just sugar, right? Um, but often artificial sweeteners, if there's not sugar, artificial <laughs> everything, yes. but the, Whole carbon dioxide to make it fizzy is such an issue because that's a waste product for our body. And when we ingest what we should be expelling, when we breathe out carbon dioxide, the body goes into shock and the pH of the body is greatly changed, right? So, I mean, I know you know this, but um, it takes 24 glasses of water to offset the negative pH of one soda. So that tells you what it's doing in the body. And so for renal health, I'm sure it has a, a huge implication. It does. And um, phosphate additives are the main component that we're concerned with um, that, that are in, if they're not in all sodas, but um, of course, all sodas have, are either going to have a high fructose corn syrup or an artificial sweetener. And both of which we know are, not good for us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I really encourage, um, my clients to drink water, mainly water, lots of water. That's another thing that, um, that people can do to preserve kidney function is make sure that they're flushing their kidneys out adequately by drinking enough water. Um, and I calculate at 30 milliliters per kilogram. It's generally their body weight divided in half, their body weight in pounds divided in half um, is about what I recommend. That's a good way to do it. Thank you. That's, that's good um, practical uses. Um, mm -hmm. but but also, 
I wanted to get back to uh, to protein a little bit more. Yeah, um, it's not only the amount of protein, but the type of protein. Um, for people who are willing to go plant-based, it's, it's, it's good for them to, to do that. Not everyone is willing to do that. And when I work with my clients, I, I, I base how I work with them and what I instruct them on and what they're willing to do because it's their life. They have to be willing to live with it. And for some people, completely giving up all animal protein is just not in the cards. But for people who are, um, that's really the, the ideal thing for them to do. And the reason for that is because uh, our, our kidneys function better in an alkaline environment and animal protein causes more acidity to form in our bodies when it's metabolized. So it's a really good point. vegetables and fruits produce alkalinity. So right. increasing vegetables and fruits, decreasing animal protein are um, things that I work with my clients on. I health. love that you're talking about the alkalinity. What are mm -hmm. some other things that might be acid that might be contributing? Um, dairy products, um, coffee. sugar, coffee. I hate, to I, say that. Yeah. I hate to say that because I'm like, <laughs> I, didn't that I didn't make it up. It's, it's just literally what it is. Yeah. Um, I often, um, so I don't drink coffee at all. I sometimes, you know, I love teas, but I, I have um, several people that tell me they put a pinch of baking soda in the water where they make their coffee. It neutralizes the acid, doesn't make mm -hmm. it alkaline, but at least it doesn't have that harsh acidic type of thing right in your body first thing in the morning. So um, they say that helps. That helps with a, a variety of things that they deal with. So um, that that's a, just a little tip. Um, yeah, I actually did that when I switched from drinking my coffee with creamer to drinking my coffee black when I was intermittent fasting. Um, that's how I got through it because it made the coffee taste um, less bitter. Interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, some other things that people can do really working if they have problems with, uh, with gut health, if they have constipation or diarrhea or any number of um, intestinal problems, focusing on gut health and making sure their gut's as healthy as possible, using probiotics, um, identifying food sensitivities if they think that they're, they, they are um, sensitive to certain types of foods and healing the gut is really important. Um, there's really been a lot of research in recent years on the gut kidney axis and the importance of gut health for the sake of kidney health. Um, one that's of wonderful. The, that's fascinating because you hear a lot about gut brain, gut right? brain, <laughs> like, wow, I, I wrote that down actually. <laughs> so, yes. Well, oh, this is yes. very exciting. There um, is definitely a gut kidney axis and wow. I don't know if you know this or not, or if your listeners are aware of this, maybe some of them have some familiarity with kidney disease, or maybe they have a family member who's been on dialysis, but um, old recommendations were for people to um, only eat refined grains when they had oh, uh, kidney disease. And, and and we recommended against whole grains. Who and did it was, <laughs> it was um, the recommendation. It was the official KDGO and KDOKI recommendations because of the fact that that um, whole grains contain phosphorus and potassium. But what we've realized is that 
that caused people to miss fiber that they needed. You know, people need 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. And if you're not getting that, then your chances of having a healthy gut are, are not as good. So hmm, they changed those recommendations. And, and now we recommend that people with kidney disease eat whole grains. Thankfully, that was a really confusing thing for people. Um, I love to recommend it's only been probably in the last five years that that recommendation. Oh my goodness. That's amazing to me that it's been mis, you know, misinformation in Mm -hmm. in the regard. I I do like to recommend um, probiotic and prebiotic foods for cruciferous vegetables, things like that uh, as a prebiotic food, which helps your body make its own probiotics. Um, And then anything fermented, um, um, big fan of different fermented vegetables. And then kombucha, of course, is one of my absolute favorites. And I just want to say for those people who like, oh, I don't like kombucha. Let me just tell you, there's a flavor for everybody. Whatever flavor you like, it's out there in a kombucha some way, shape or form. So maybe you just haven't tried the right one yet. Um, I agree. I agree. I'm a big believer in fermented foods as well. Excellent. Um, one thing I'm, I've noticed that's really harming um, gut health, and you probably are very aware of this too, is um, laptops and cell phones. Literally destroy. I've heard you talk about that on your program, yeah. Yeah, literally destroy the microbiome. And how many times do we sit with our phone on our bellies or our lap, our laptops, you know, in our laps? So, um, I definitely want to encourage people to be aware of that because um, you don't want to sleep with your phone on on you or your cell. Oh, I can't even think about it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, not just your gut health, but your whole body is affected by um, the Wi-Fi radiation, and and so yeah. I, I do speak about that um, often, but um, I don't want to digress too much. So did you have some other things that you wanted to um, share about things people can do? Um, yes. Um, and another thing is making sure that their thyroid is healthy. There is a connection there um, between thyroid and kidney health. Um, decreasing inflammation, you know, um, inflammation is a huge part of much all illnesses and kidney disease is no exception. So part of adopting a whole foods diet and getting away from the standard American diet is that by doing so you'll be eating an anti-inflammatory diet. And um, that's That's so many things, right? That's not just kidney health. That's, that's our whole body brain immune. Like we could go on and on reducing that inflammation by eating right. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then um, of course, controlling diabetes and hypertension, if you have those. Um, And, and also if you have any genetic conditions that predispose you to developing um, kidney disease, like polycystic kidney disease Hmm. can progress to where you, you don't always have chronic kidney disease, but it can progress. So knowing those things about your family history and keeping an eye on, um, on your kidneys, if you think that you might be predisposed is also important. That's interesting that the predisposition from family history, I find is often just, well, primarily connected to the way of life and the way they eat, not necessarily genetic. So there are genetic things, but but quite often what we get handed down is the way we live and the way we eat 
which well, means, especially with right? yeah, especially with um, diabetes and, and high blood pressure. But um, yeah, there are some genetic conditions that we really don't have any control over. And there's also autoimmune conditions that can, that can uh, result in kidney failure, like lupus right. and some other, some other. And I have a theory on autoimmune person. My personal theory on autoimmune is that our bodies are not designed to attack itself. And there's, right. something, for, there's something foreign going on there and, and getting mm-hmm. that balanced, you know, there's a deficiency or too much of something or something completely man-made and foreign that's thrown us into that direction of an autoimmune because it, our, our immune system is not designed to attack itself. So right. when it does, we need to like really pay attention, like what sort of detoxification pathways do we need to go? What sort of nourishing pathways? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I totally like agree. There, and there are a lot. Of, I'm still learning about that, um, but there are people who specialize in in that in um, helping people overcome or figure out the root cause of yes. the autoimmune condition and helping them heal from it. So, absolutely, okay. I totally agree. Why? Um, why do you think so many people who have kidney disease are never educated about what they can do to prevent the decline of their kidney function. Why do you think that happens? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it does happen a lot. And I think there are a lot of factors. I think, um, first of all, there, there's a, there's a physician bias against doing anything, um, especially in the earlier stages of kidney disease. Um, part of it is this study, the MDRD study that so many of them have decided, uh, there's no, uh, there's nothing that can be done or that making modifications can result in malnutrition. That's one of the things that the study showed. And so they don't want to go down the malnutrition route. Um, I think another thing is that um, they don't know who to refer their patients to. That's a, that's an issue. Um, CKD is a very specialized um, condition and, and dietitians are trained in it, but um, if they don't specialize in it, there's, there's a lot of gaps in, in the knowledge for a lot for a lot of people. Um, so doctors, if, even if they want to refer their patients, a lot of times don't know who to refer to. Um, I think they often don't think their patients are going to make changes. Hmm. Um, and unfortunately I, for nephrology, for, for the nephrology world, um, there's money in dialysis. Oh, so yeah. right. Uh, there, there, there is an initiative going on though that incentivizes doctors for um, helping their patients prevent the need for dialysis, but um, it's sort of early on in, in that. And I think at this point, there's just a select group of nephrologists who are, have been chosen to, to do that. And um, they're studying it right now to see if it makes a difference. Right. Well, I well, um, hope it would. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I would hope it would. So you mentioned that um, just even just five years ago, there was a change in what people should be eating. Are there other myths about what people should eat during kidney disease that haven't hasn't changed? Well, oh, yes. Um, one of the things that's huge that most people know about if they get diagnosed with kidney disease, 
they they know or they think that they're supposed to restrict potassium in their diet. Um, and that is true for some people. If they have an elevated potassium level, they do need to restrict potassium in their diet. But a lot of people are not to that point when they get when they get diagnosed. And potassium is actually cardiac protective. And since cardiovascular disease is a huge comorbidity with chronic kidney disease, um, restricting potassium can be detrimental to the heart. So we don't want people to restrict potassium if they don't have to. Um, the other effect that has if they do that is there, there's a whole list of fruits and vegetables they think they can't eat if they're mm-hmm. trying to restrict potassium. And so I work with with my clients mm-hmm. to help them determine if they do need a potassium restriction and if so, how much of one. And uh, often there are other contributing factors. There's medications, there's constipation, there's all kinds of things that can contribute to hyperkalemia or high potassium that doesn't necessarily have to be diet related. If somebody comes to me with stage three CKD and they have a high potassium, almost always there's something else contributing to it besides uh, their diet. So um, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's one. And then of course the, um, the whole grains versus the refined grains. Um, people who really care and who, who um, know that dialysis could be in their future if they don't make changes, they, they can become afraid of their food. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that, that um, a lot of people that know and do is they know that they need to restrict sodium. And I think that's, I think I forgot to mention that, but um, restricting sodium is another way to help preserve kidney function. However, restricting sodium is not the same thing as limiting sodium to as little as possible. Right. There's a, there's a range 1500 to 2300 milligrams a day is what we need, but people will come to me sometimes you know, eating 500, 800 milligrams of, of sodium a day. And, and that's, that's just as bad as eating 4,000 right. milligrams. There's a fine balance you're talking about here because all right. those minerals work well together and without those proper minerals, other things aren't going to work well, or we'll be dehydrated. So I think right. what you have to share is, is wildly important. And um, when someone's sodium may need to be limited, I think canned products that are full of sodium or what you're talking about, not the natural sodium you might find in fresh juices, right? Potassium right. sodium balance. Um, so knowing what the difference is, is hugely very important. And even the types of salt people would choose makes a difference, I think. Mm-hmm. I agree. And and if people do adopt a whole foods diet, it almost, it almost eliminates the need for a sodium restriction. I love and, that. Say that again. Say that again. That's so good. <laughs> if, if people adopt a whole foods diet, it almost eliminates the need for a sodium restriction. Absolutely incredible. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that so much. Um, that will be better all around than yeah. just to reduce the sodium. And then their body's going to be getting so many great nutrients overall. Yeah. Right. Thank you. That's, that's incredible. Well, um, I, I hate to take a break again, but we're going to have to take another break. But I do want to talk about when we come back, um, what else besides um, dialysis can people do if they go into end stage kidney disease, like you were talking about. That's definitely one of the things I want to hear more about when we take uh, come back from the break. So um, we'll be right back. Looking for Healing Radio is sponsored by globalhealing.com, simply the finest, most potent 
most effective natural medicines in the world today. I can say this for sure. They are incredible. You can feel the difference of integrity, um, love makes in creating naturals to help you heal. So you can go to globalhealing.com and enter the promo code out loud and discover the medicine God intended for us all and get incredible deals too. And you can find Global Healing and all the wonderful sponsors at americaoutloud.shop. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Welcome back to Looking for Healing Talk Radio, where pharmaceuticals are not medicine, but love always is. Uh, America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on iHeart Network, and you can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple Android, Alexa, where we stream 24-7, and now you can hear these on the podcast with the same apps. The apps are free, and the mission is priceless. We don't want you to miss a thing. Um, uh, again, I'm Dr. Jana Schmidt, naturopath and herbalist, and we are speaking with registered dietitian and renal nutritional specialist, Heather Smith. I'm sorry we have to keep taking a break because it's so exciting. Um, let's, let's talk about where we left off. Um, things that people can do um, besides dialysis. And I know this is um, something you have some good information on if they are in end stage kidney disease. Well, um, the main alternative is transplant and um, being evaluated for transplant is one of the first things that people should do if they do find out that they're in stage five or in stage renal disease or even stage four and have, um, declining kidney function and the doctors starting to talk about um, having a dialysis access place. They can ask for a referral um, to any major medical center and uh, request a kidney transplant workup. And people can be put on a list for a, a, a donor or um, they can have a friend or family member or someone they know donate a kidney. And there are, there's a really neat program in place where if you find somebody to donate a kidney to you, but they're not a match for you, they can still donate the kidney to somebody else, but then you move up on the list oh, wow. so that you can get a kidney more quickly because the average wait time is about five years. But if you have 
if you have somebody donate a kidney um, either to you or to someone else, then that moves you way up on the list. So I've known some people who thought they were going to have to go on dialysis and ended up not having to because they got a transplant or only went on for a very short time and then got a transplant. So um, unfortunately, when you when you get to stage five, that's those are really the the two options. I mean, there is a third option. The third option is to just not not do anything and um, let nature take its course um, and pr- just you know preserve kidney function as long as you possibly can. I've seen people stay in stage five kidney disease for years and years and years. That was what I was going to ask you next. Do you see people like? maintaining where they yeah. are not getting worse if they do the right things for their bodies. That's yeah. That's, yeah that's, hopeful. I have. that's hopeful I have. because the transplant sounds, sounds like, like a scary endeavor, but it's a lot versus a lot. versus dialysis. I, I yeah, I think I, w- I would look for that, look for the options uh, outside of that. But yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like our bodies have incredible rejuvenation powers, just, you know, God given within us and, and removing many of these avenues of harm that you've you've laid out and then including the things we know are good are are that's where i would start mm-hmm. <laughs> personally right yes that's yeah um for sure i wanted to um to talk about um some of the herbs and foods a little bit more that support um kidney functions uh and these are things that i lean on um on a daily basis. And I feel like if people include these in their lifestyle and in their foods and their recipes, it, it can help just without even thinking about it, help their kidney function and keep it strong and healthy. So, um, my favorite is parsley. It's easy to find. It's not just that garnish that makes your plate look lovely. It actually is really good for you. Full, full of chlorophyll. Amazing. Which is helps the red blood cells uptake oxygen and get um, oxygen all over the body. But it also has diuretic properties to help increase urine and flow and flush out excess fluid that might be there, you know, that thereby, you know, supports the kidney function. Um, Are there any um, that you particularly lean towards? Um, I, I, there are some, um, sometimes I'll recommend, um, curcumin. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's uh, that, with inflammation. Is that with right? Inflammation. Um, so if inflammation is an issue for that, for that person, then, and they don't have a problem with potassium, then I right. recommend curcumin. Um, I usually do encourage my clients to take, um, a renal multivitamin, um, but the B vitamins and a small amount of vitamin C, okay. usually not the fat soluble vitamins. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Some, some people, um, if they, if they come to me having had a vitamin D level checked, if their vitamin D is low, I'll recommend a vitamin D. Um, and, um, if their magnesium is low, I might recommend magnesium. Um, but I don't, I'm still learning about herbs. So I'm interested to hear more of what you have to say about. For um, sure. I'm happy to share that. the ones that I know help. Um, Uva Ursi is probably my favorite. Uh, U-V-A-U-R-S-I. Um, kidney function, bladder. Uva Ursi just really provides just some amazing things for people who often have infections or chronic infections um, within the the kidney function, um, dandelion, amazing. I mean, dandelion root is so abundant 
And it's a great liver detoxer. I know lots of people hear about dandelion helping detox the liver, but it's also a lovely kidney cleanse tea. It's really gentle. You can mix it with other types of teas, you know, herbal teas. And it can also help in the blood pressure and regulating blood sugar, which also is, like you said, um, one of the risk factors for kidney disease. So Mm -hmm. as I understand, um, dandelion root also helps prevent kidney stones by increasing the urine production. And it also has something called inulin, which can help. um, That's what helps regulate the blood sugar and and, uh, blood pressure. So dandelion, as simple as it is, is one of my favorites. Um, Hydrangea, amazing anti-inflammatory effect, specifically on the kidneys and super gentle. Um, I really love hydrangea for for anti-inflammatory, specifically for kidneys. Um, And then of course you, you mentioned curcumin. That's one of my favorites. I do know that Sometimes it's hard to, um, it's not as well absorbed. And if you can add a little black pepper to Mm -hmm. your curcumin, it increases the bioavailability by, you know, like seven times. So I I do like the curcumin where they add black pepper or you could do, you know, people do it themselves. They can always add Um, golden milk is a good way to get curcumin and, um, and all, it also has the fat source with the, um, uh, coconut milk, or you can use a different fat source. Explain, but that explain also to people helps. what that is. Who may not know what golden milk is? Um, it's a it's it's a mixture of um, of coconut milk, curcumin, black pepper, and other spices. Like um, you can put cinnamon and wh- whatever you like. I always put um, a little bit of honey. It makes a little bit of honey or maple yeah. syrup, um, and it it can be it uh, enjoyed like hot chocolate. Yes. Only it's. Um, much healthier for you. I think I'm going to make some of that tonight. Like <laughs> I forgot <laughs> how good that is. Like I've got all those things. I'm going to make it right when we're done. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorites too. That golden milk and children really like it. Mm-hmm. Make it as a special treat or have them help you make it. Um, it's really good. Yeah. Um, one of my other favorites are foods high in lycopene. So um, watermelon. Um, red peppers, tomatoes are high and that there's lots of wonderful things, but it helps balance um, the levels of phosphate, calcium, oxalate, um, all these things in the body um, and can protect the kidneys from tissue damage. So, um, and lower inflammation as well, which we keep talking about. Um, but I will say that um, too much watermelon can increase potassium levels. Yes. And so there's that balance there. You don't want to make it worse, but you want to, you know, provide enough. So that's where someone like you would be really wonderful to talk to. (laughs) Um, My other favorite, and I think this is um, coming up more and more, especially with um, potential threats of what, um, you know, don't know if I want to go down that trail tonight, but today, but um, other things that are being talked about in the world, um, uh, Marburg, Lhasa, Ebola, things like that. Um, my my main go-to is anything that with that bright purple color naturally in, in nature and anthocyanins um, is the name of it, but it's beets and pomegranate, um, elderberry, black cherry, all things like that are amazing for protecting the body from these hemorrhagic type fevers, but it's also really incredible for kidney stones. So to prevent... Um, the, these these high concentrates of pomegranate and elderberry can help prevent the kidneys from creating stones and increase the urine output. So that helps as well. Um, but these anthocyanins have all kinds of benefits 
um, helping to reduce um, unnecessary cholesterol in the body because it repairs um, it repairs artery walls. And when your artery walls are torn, it sends cholesterol patches to line the arteries. So if your artery walls are healed, then it reduces cholesterol in, in, you know, in turn. And elderberry is one of my favorites. It, um, it helps stop the replication of a flu virus in its tracks. So when people talk about flu shots, we get our little shot glasses, we put out elderberry and we all take our flu, like, oh, this is it, our flu shot. Um, it, there's a brilliant um, virologist um, out of Israel, Madeline, oh, I'm trying to remember her last name. It's this Magushu. Mm, well, no, her first name was Dr. Madeline. Um, she's a virologist and she discovered that concentrate of elderberry literally stopped the replication of the flu virus in its tracks. So it could, it just stopped replicating, which was, I mean, uh, and she won a, she won a, a Nobel prize for her work with interferon in the body. Brilliant, brilliant woman. Um, and that's when, um, when I read that, I'm like, Oh, elderberry from now on is, is going to be our, our way to help protect us from certain viruses and the replication of those viruses. Um, I would love to, um, I would love for you to tell us about your other designations um, as we could probably talk about herbs and things all night, but um, yeah. you could tell us about leap therapist is and the shape uh-huh. sure I'm interested to hear what those entail. Okay. Yeah. Um, so leap stands for lifestyle eating and performance. It's done in conjunction with the mediator release test, which is a blood test that can detect um, food sensitivities. And those food sensitivities um, can cause any number of conditions, chronic migraines, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, especially the diarrhea uh, dominant IBS. Um, All kinds of conditions can be affected by food sensitivities. And I've had a lot of success in helping people who have debilitating symptoms overcome them because they learned what they were sensitive to. And then I took them through um, leap therapy, which is sort of like a reverse elimination diet um, where you take the, the report that comes back from the blood test and it lists the foods and um, food additives in order of least reactive to most reactive. And so you start the diet by, just introducing the least reactive foods and they eat the least reactive foods for a a week. And then they add a little bit more reactive foods for another week and um, so on and so forth. And it's very effective for reducing those inflammatory symptoms that people have. Incredible. Yeah. It's a great, great. Mm -hmm. it is, it is. And then shape reclaimed is um, it's a program that was developed by a chiropractor, Dr. Todd Frisch. Um, about 12 years ago for his wife who was in menopause and was having trouble losing weight. And it's now done by practitioners all over the United States, hundreds of of practitioners who've had great success in helping people basically transition from the standard American diet to uh, a whole foods diet. Three phases. You start out with, uh, a list of foods, it's fruits, vegetables, meats, um, a couple other things that you can have. 
And then in stage two, you start in adding some other foods and stage three, you add more. But by the time you get to, to stage three or phase three, you your tastes have changed. You've detoxed. You feel amazing. And um, ideally, you've made a transition for life. And um, it's a it's a really great program. It's we're not supposed to tout it as a weight loss program, but most people do lose weight when they when they do it. I love, I love it just because, um, it helped me so much. It's helped so many of my clients. And I I just want to say this, when I first heard about, I was a very conventional dietitian. I had a very conventional education. Um, so when I first heard about it from my chiropractor friend, I was like, uh, no, thank you. I'm not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, because it also has, uh, I didn't mention this, but Part of it is that it has a, a homeopathic tincture that oh, you have to take. And um, that just, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. Not <laughs> FDA approved, you know, Right. <laughs> um, but now fast forward the last three years, I've changed a lot and I've all learned so much in the last three years. Yes. Yes. So I've put, I put a lot of stock in anecdotal evidence and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence. So I'm okay with that. If it, we don't have a, a peer-reviewed placebo-controlled, you know, study for that says it works. If it if something works, it works. Right, right, absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I would love for you to share how people can find you, follow you, um, connect with you. Can you share the ways that that, that can happen? Sure. Um, my website is palmetto nutrition therapy.com. Um, uh, my email address is hello at palmetto nutrition therapy.com. That's palmetto, like the palmetto tree. Um, my phone number is uh, 843-548-8401. And if you are a part of the gold care system, you can also find me there. Yes. So I, this, this is how we met. So I was really excited <laughs> to meet you through that. And so we work together at gold care health and wellness. And that's a, it is the parallel system outside of government control it's private membership and it's we don't we're not controlled by insurance we're not controlled by pharmaceuticals we just want the best health and wellness for everyone and i love that we're working side by side with all kinds of different types of people who help mds and pas and integrative health practitioners and so it's it's a it's an amazing group and i'm I'm really i'm really honored to be doing that with you too so me too me too very much. Thanks again for sharing your knowledge and your incredible heart behind what you do to help people get well and stay well. I think it's very, very valuable. Um, and um, I look forward to each week with all of our listeners um, and where we'll just continue to learn and grow in the realm of natural health. Thanks again, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. And this is Dr. Jana Schmidt wishing you God's blessings in knowledge, wisdom, and abundant health.